This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weightloss. That's plushcare.com slash weightloss. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. I know what you're thinking to yourself. Oh my God, already? Didn't he just do a show last week? I mean, come on. Pace yourself. I don't believe in basing myself. Get to the chopper. That's the best Arnold Schwarzenegger quote of all time. It is. It's from Predator. You've seen it, right? Hey, everybody. Another ABM. Well, technically, this isn't an ABM show, and I'll get to that here in a minute. But uh, welcome to the Fact Filler Podcast. I am Pat Bulger in the very cold Pack Filler Studios. I ask this every show now. Can you hear it in the background? The heater? And you should, because it's freaking cold in here, and I'm in a basement. But here I am with another show, you guys. Um, I just thought I'd, I'd crank one out here. It's a Sunday. Usually I'm going to try to crank them out on Monday, but what are you going to do? Monday, I got to go back to work. So here we are with a, a Sunday edition of the Pack Filler Podcast. Hey, everybody. I, I got to mention these guys because they've been with me for a long time. Thanks to the Sufferfest. You guys know the game with the suffer vest uh go to the packfiller.com website click on the bleeding eyes buy some videos or get involved with their new app which is supposed to be i think out and about about the time of this release of this podcast i don't know if it's out yet or not i know they probably had to get some final you know bullshit approvals from itunes or something like that and um, then they will be officially underway with a new app and all those types of stuff um, any purchase you make at the Sufferfest, click through our website first would you please i just i need the cash man you know 
I need need more heaters down here. And I need to buy nutrition at, for my triathlon. No, I, that was a joke. I'm not doing a triathlon, I promise. But we'll get to that. Thanks to the Sufferfest, uh, sufferfest.com. Don't forget the... Um, tour of Sufferlandria coming up here in February. You have time to start training for it now. It is going to be seven days in February. It's going to be brutal. It is going to be a great way to motivate yourself to train in the cold months if you live in this particular part of the world. Happy New Year, everybody. Did you do something stupid? I didn't. I really didn't. We kept it kind of mellow this year. As I said in the last show, my New Year's Eves have always been just kind of, not a letdown, but just kind of, yeah, okay. You know you know when you get to a certain age and, and 9.30 rolls around and you're trying to stay awake and you're wondering why the fuck you're bothering, but it's a tradition. Um, I'm not that guy. I'm the guy who actually stays awake. I, I do it. I, I had to make my wife stay awake. I saw her across the room sitting on the couch, and her eyes started to get a little heavy, and so I had to occasionally just, Michelle! And wake her up and stuff like that. She she didn't like it, but but she made it to midnight. We started off in our own little town with a couple little cocktails here and there and stuff like that, and had a good time. Had some uh, seafood and stuff like that. Watched the ball drop on it's not Dick Clark's Rockin' Eve anymore, is it? Because Dick Clark's dead. But it's um, it's it's Ryan Seacrest. And I do have to mention something, even though she's making more money talking into a microphone than I am. Fergie, you've got to lighten up, sweetie. You are looking weird with her rotating of the hips, and she's trying way too hard. Um, it, she made me physically uncomfortable. And and so there you go. I uh, went to bed about 12.20. Yeah, I made it to midnight, and then I was out immediately thereafter. Uh, I think my chair was spinning. I got out of it so fast at midnight because the tradition continues. Every New Year's Day, I have made a promise to myself to go out for a bike ride. I do not have a fat bike, as you've heard me woe on this show many a times. Um, but I do have an old school Jameis Dragon steel mountain bike with a Manitou fork on the front of it with titanium springs that are probably so frozen because I'd never have taken that fork apart. It's built up with grip shift. I fucking shit you not grip shift. And I've got studded tires on it, baby. So every year that bike gets justified for being in the house because I go out on it. I'm looking at it right now. I go out on it and I ride around the roads in the snow on my studded snow tires, baby. I was out for about an hour and I think I got 11 miles in. (laughs) Not exactly burning up the roads, but it's a tradition. I have to go out every year. Some years the snow has been crap around here and I've been able to actually get out on the road bike and go out that way. Uh, this year, not so much. We have, I think I got about 18 inches out in the front yard. And it was out with the steely-eyed Jameis. Got some long-ass crank arms on that thing, too. They're like 180s. They're 180s. It's just, you can hear my knees when I get off of that thing. At some point in my life, I thought big, long crank arms meant something else. Um, 
No, I'm not talking about that. I thought big long crank arms helped me with you know bigger circles because I like to grind my gears. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna lie. I'm gonna have no knees when I'm in my fifties. But I got out. That was one of my goals for New Year's Eve for New Year's Day. I did it. <sighs> Do you make resolutions? Do you make New Year's resolutions? I, I know I don't even call them resolutions anymore. I call them goals now. I've I've even made some on this show in the past, you might have heard. And uh, so, you want my list this year before I get to the interview? I'll go quick, I promise. Um, Everybody always has a resolution to get fit. Um, I've given up on that. I'm going to (laughs) participate. So, if I'm fit enough to actually be involved in the activity of the event, that is fit. I'm going to eat and drink better. I think I say that every year. Um, I'm, I'm really paranoid. Maybe, God, you guys, this is the sound of an old man. I am really paranoid about my salt and sugar intake, not to mention probably some of the booze, um, because that would. Re- I think I, I think I could satisfy resolution number one if I did resolution number two, which means probably cutting back on some of my delicious beer and a glass of wine and the noon teenies. I haven't tried those yet. Um, and those sorts of things. So hopefully those two will coincide with each other. I'm not talking cut out because if you cut everything out, I think you're just setting yourself up to fail. It's like going cold turkey when you're when you're trying to kick the meth habit. You know, you've been there, right? Yeah, quitting meth. You can't just stop. You got to slowly pull back on meth. You know, quit doing the the blue meth, you know, from New Mexico and kind of pull yourselves back a little bit slowly into the crappier stuff and then, you know, maybe quit picking your face and those types of things. So I'm going to go slowly out of this. Yeah. Um, I want to do something epic on the bike. Last year, the only really cool thing I got to do was that Midnight Century, which is a really cool event, and I, I want to try something bigger. Um, I've got my name into the Leadville raffle. We'll see here by the end of this week if that one comes through or if they just took my money and are laughing at me. Um, or I want to do something, you know, a couple day trip solo, see what I can do. I think it'd be kind of fun. I want to do 30 to 50 shows this year, and I am putting myself out on the line like that. And you guys know how I fail at this kind of crap, but we'll see. You know, I want to. I, I originally said I wanted to do like fifty shows, and now I'm like, well, fifty. That's every week, man. And it's cold down here. You got a life, so we'll see. We'll see. So that's pretty much it, you guys. And I've come to the conclusion in my age now. This with age comes settlement. <laughs> This <laughs> is settling. I've realized my pro contract is not going to come in the mail here soon. I've realized that winning a Tuesday night bike race is not going to dial me in with Team Sky. Um, and so I'm going to leave that up to the younger riders. And I'm just going to, I don't know if I'm going to race competitively much this year. I'm tired of the same races with the same people on the same courses. And uh, and so we'll have to see. I'm going to try and break out of the mold and see what we can do. And I told you guys that with the show, and now I'm doing that with my with my own activities-based life. And, and we'll see how it goes. Um, like I said, so much for that pro contract, right? Let's move on, Pat. Move on to the show. Um, I, I'm, and technically, I'll, I'll, I'll call it this, even though it, well... It might be more than that. So I'll just start with 
Well, the audio sucks today. That's supposed to say 10 questions with. (laughs) Oh, shit. 10 questions with. Um, And it isn't really 10 questions with, but occasionally I like to get people on this show who know what they're talking about. Um, I said in the beginning of the year, well, this is the beginning of the year, I said at the end of last year that we're going to mix things up a little on the show, but when the opportunity strikes, you got to go for it. And um, this is this was a heck of an opportunity to talk to this young man. Um, as many of you probably know of him, um, if you're following pro cycling, if you're following American pro cycling, if you don't, um, pay attention. Um, I got a chance just recently to talk with Ian Boswell of Team Sky, American who's been over racing the pro tour for uh, this is going to be his fourth season with uh, Team Sky, and he's he's been rapidly figuring things out and coming up through the ranks. Um, and I, I got a chance to just chat with him for about 20, 30 minutes just recently and, um, impressive guy. And it was, it was kind of fun talking to him, but I'll let you be the judge. So, um, I guess without further ado, here we go. Ian Boswell on the pack filler podcast. All right, everybody from his beginnings in, uh, just over kind of near this area in Bend, Oregon, to his uh, first pro season 2010 with Bissell. Today's guest has been in, have pretty much seen an incredible ride, back-to-back wins in Nevada City, top placings tour Utah and California, and, of course, the big jump to the pro tour and Team Sky. like to welcome to the show Ian Boswell. How are you, man? Good, man. Thanks for having me. Hey, no problem. Um, okay, now I, I've been doing my research here and stuff like that on you, and I just kind of wanted to get a little background on what's going on. According to my research, and you can tell me if I, if I got my dates wrong, your cycling career in terms of kind of the big results, you know, when you were a junior, stuff like that, began in 2005. Am I pretty close there? Well, you probably would know better than me. That's, uh, <laughs> that's a long time ago. Well, um, not in my book. <laughs> yeah. I wouldn't be uh, – I actually don't know when, when I really started – kind of to achieve some some success but yeah i'd say it was around around that time you don't google yourself no no no, not anymore um (laughs) no i think i think yeah when i was i guess i was 14 i won the the national championships in the time trial and criterium so i guess that would be yeah 2000 2005 yeah that's okay so i've got it what what got you started what what lit this whole fire yeah well i mean like you said i grew up in bend oregon which is you know a town where you know, kind of odd outdoor sports are popular, you know, more so than, than a lot of, you know, cities in the U.S. Yeah. So, you know, Nordic skiing, cycling, running, it was kind of always, uh, you know, always around me. And my dad was a triathlete back in the 80s. So he always was, you know, outdoors and you know, being enthusiastic with endurance sports. And my mom was a marathon runner. So, um, yeah, I just started, I started racing BMX when I was really young, when I kind of first started to ride a bike. And then I think when I was... 10 years old there's the the cascade cycling classic a race that's oh, yeah. been going on i think almost 30 years now and ben um had a kids event during one of the pro races kind of in a intermission between two categories and i decided to take my mom's old road bike and that barely fit me and <laughs> jumped on did the race and won and it kind of kind of had me hooked into into road racing you know just being a you know a sport that i could be successful in. i grew up playing all sorts of other sports but yeah that definitely uh definitely got me hooked Pretty pretty crazy over there. Um, now that's that's, I'm I'm okay. My math is crap, but that's basically five years to your first pro contract with Bissell. Um, 
dude, that's that's fast. That's that's flying through the ranks pretty damn quickly from, um, you know, kind of having fun at the Cascade Classic to winning a national championship to uh, all the way up there. Um, do you credit anything or anyone to such a quick rise or was it just I just picked cycling and I was focused and I was going with it? Yeah, I mean, not to be like, you know, cocky, but I guess I was always kind of, you know, excelled in sports more so than academics, um, you know, whether it was basketball or football, soccer, you know, I always really was passionate about my sports and gave that a lot of time. Um, you know, I think I'd have to give a lot of the credit to, you know, to my family and, and kind of community, you know, like I said, growing up in a, in an environment that was conducive to, you know, a sport that you were craving in. And there's a lot of people around locally, you know, other professionals or people who had previously been professionals, you know, both my parents had some experience in, in racing bikes and, other endurance sports. And I think just having that support structure around me was the most important thing to kind of rising as I, as I was growing. Was the pro tour something that was always an objective or was it just kind of something, I don't know, but when I was a junior, it was just, you know, these dreams of, of these types of things and not to belittle my own self, but I, I dreamt of it, but I wasn't really sure if it was ever beyond that. Did you see this, this level as, as a solid concrete objective? I guess looking back on it now, I kind of did see it as a, I mean, I guess I always envisioned myself being there, you know, and I guess as a kid, you kind of, you dream big, whether you want to be a firefighter or, yeah. a, you know, NBA player. Once I picked up cycling, I always kind of envisioned myself, you know, being a professional rider, but there was definitely, you know, kind of went through this process of the closer you get to it, you know, as you grow up and, you know, kind of go through the ranks almost the further away, you know, your objective looks because you start to, you know, lose the romantic side of, you know, being a child and realize that it's a lot of hard work and there's a lot of other people trying to do the same thing that you're doing as well. So, you know, there was definitely times when I was thinking, oh, is this, you know, is this still possible? You know, when you're 15 years old, you, you know, anything's possible in your mind. Yeah. Okay. Now I'm going to ask you about the romance of it here a little bit later, because, you know, that's always something that for those who who haven't experienced it, I'm sure there's always that, that, off in the distance, that's something that's always there. But uh, since turning pro with Bissell, I mean, quite a bit of, of Palmares here, both here in, in the U.S. and over in Europe, um, Nevada City twice, uh, some great results in Tour of Utah and California. Are there any ones, even even your experience over, over across the pond over there in Europe, is there any ones that really kind of stand out as your favorites or races or experiences? Um, there's a few races that are kind of, I guess, sentimental to myself. I think Nevada City... Both those wins were, were really special to me just on a personal level. You know, it's a race that I'd gone to. It's always on Father's Day weekend. So yeah. um, I'd actually been down quite a bit when I was younger. My dad was racing triathlons in California and, and road racing as well, I guess, in his in his early 20s and had raced in Nevada City against Greg Lamont. So we went down to watch a couple of times to visit his friends in the area. Um, so when I was young, I was, always, I was always watching the race and was kind of intrigued by it. And um, So then to go there and win that race, and it was my first professional win, that was uh, that's always going to be special to me. Nice. So as far as in the states, yeah, that's uh, those are races that I always you know remember. Not to mention doing it back to back. Yeah, yeah, that was um, cool. And I think <laughs> I think yeah, I think the only previous rider to have done it back to back was Greg Lamont. So I remember when when I won the second year, my dad's like, "Oh, you're just like Greg Lamont." I was like, "Well, we'll see about that." I don't I don't think it's quite on the same level, but uh, okay, thanks, Dad. You're right. <laughs> yeah. So. What was the transition like for you to go from, I mean, some some really quality domestic teams 
um, to make that jump to the pro tour level to transition into a, a team. You didn't stick with a, a U.S. based squad. You know, you didn't you know jump to a BMC or something like that. You made that commitment to go to something. And I'm not comparing one team over the other, but that's a big jump and that's a big transition. What was that experience like? Yeah, you know, through my early 20s, I was racing on, uh, you know, on Trek Livestrong or Bond Trekker Livestrong. It changed names yeah. halfway uh, through my time there. Um, you know, we did a lot of racing over in Europe. I was also with USA Cycling Development Program racing over in Europe a lot. And I think something just kind of clicked with me that, you know, I needed to I needed to be in Europe. I needed to be racing over there. And, you know, I needed to be, you know, kind of ingrained in a different, a different culture and a different, you know, kind of methodology to cycling and I think you know where I'm at now with with Team Sky is a uh, is the perfect balance of you know kind of the tradition of the sport, which is you know still very you know kind of deep within within the sport. You know just the the mentality of you know the tactics of racing and the the strategy to racing. You know, but it also has the side which I think is kind of much more the American approach of of the science of the sport. You know, every American you know amateur or you know semi professional is on you know a power meter. They're on Strava. They're doing all this and that. Whereas, you know, a lot of these people over in Europe, it's still, it's still, you know, a sport where, you know, they do what their dad told them because that's what, yeah. you know, their father did and their grandfather before that was doing. So, uh, you know, I found that, you know, where I'm at now and to find a team that was kind of a balance between those two worlds. Yeah. Now that you're, correct me if I'm wrong, this is going to be your fourth year with Sky? Yeah. Yeah. So I've, uh, when I was 22, I signed a three-year contract with Sky. Um so yeah, and this is I just resigned in September for two more years, so going into oh, my man. fourth season. Oh man, that's awesome! Now, where do you see yourself going with this thing? First of all, obviously the fit works. Um, it seems like it's an organization that you're you're growing quite a bit into uh, very well, and we're seeing some some pretty impressive results, man. So where do you see yourself fitting in amongst this, and what do you want? Where do you want to take the next year or two years in, with the program? Yeah, I mean, I, I think you know another draw to Sky was you know their kind of you know, experience with Grand Tour riders and you know, obviously with you know Chris Froome and Bradley Wiggins both having won the Tour. Um, you know, that was kind of a focus of the you know where I want to go in the future, and I think this was the best place to develop that. So I think that's kind of my objective now for the next two years is to focus on you know developing into a Grand Tour rider and you know whether that means you know being a contender someday or you know, just being a, a super domestique is still kind of out to question, but, um, for the time being, just trying to gain as much experience as I can. And, you know, there'll definitely be some races along the way that I want to try to target to win just to start to gather that experience to be a team leader. Did that change happen immediately? Cause I remember when you first transitioned over, you were thinking of races like Liege, Beston Liege and, and, and those types of, of a single day, really brutal type of a, uh, you know, one day classic. Was there something that suddenly switched over and went, okay, maybe I need to take this to the longer tours and the, and the grand tours. Yeah. I mean, as a U23, I really enjoyed the, the one day classics and kind of excelled in that, in that area. But yeah, the more I've done, you know, time in the world tour, the more I'm starting to enjoy the stage racing and, you know, kind of the, the routine of a, of a three week race, especially doing my first grand tour last year. Um, you know, I think Liege best on Liege is still one race that I, you know, really admire. And if I could win one race, you know, it'd probably be that over, you know, a lot of other races other than maybe, you know, the tour de France. Um, but like I said, you know, earlier, the more, the closer you become to that, to the high level, the harder you see it is to win 
win a race like that. And there's so much that's dependent on a one day race, you know, the preparation for it with training and, you know, just having the right luck at the right time. Then, you know, there's a lot of, a lot of variables. And I think, uh, in a grand tour or longer stage race, you have a lot more time to kind of, uh, pick your moments. Wow. Okay. Um, so tell me what, for those of us who never had this type of an experience, what is life in Europe life like for, for an American now? I mean, let's not, let's not beat around the bush. Obviously, there's some wonderfully horrid stereotypes, I'm sure, going around right now in terms of what, what it's like for an American. And do you, do you find any of those positive or negative experiences in your, in your life? Over there? No, it's, I feel that it's, um, you know, it's kind of funny being here in France. You know, I think France is maybe one of the more uh, maybe egotistical countries in Europe. You know, if you go to, to Spain or Denmark, you know, the Scandinavian countries especially are, you know, pretty open to it. But, you know, for some reason, the French culture culture is very, very French and fixated on kind of the French way. Um, but no, I'm starting to embrace it. And I actually spent my junior year of high school living in Brussels, Belgium, um, yeah. where I learned kind of how to speak French, you know, not, not perfectly in Belgian French is slightly different than, than French, French in a few, you know, a few areas, but, um, no, I'm fitting in really well here. And that was one thing that I, when I came to this guy, Bobby Julik, who's an American living in France for, I think almost his whole career, 10, 15 years. Um, he said, you know, if you're going to make the commitment to be a professional, you know, pick a place and, and make that place home. And that's kind of what I've done here in France. And, you know, this is my home now. I go back to the U.S., you know. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Pretty rarely, I think I've been back less than two months in the last two years. So, you know, I've really made this, made this my home and kind of put all my eggs in this basket. Great. You see, now you see you're pretty much full season going to be over there or are you going to be able to get, get some, some rides over here? Yeah. I think the only, the only race that team sky does in the U S is the tour of California yeah. in May, which is the same time as the Giro d'Italia this year. Oh yeah. Um, and the Giro is kind of a race that I'm targeting to, to make the start list for. So unfortunately if I uh, make the Giro team, I won't be in tour of California, but It'd be good to come back in, in the summer sometime and see my family and friends. Yeah, that sucks, you know. Sorry, guys, I gotta go right to zero. <laughs> yeah, gotta go to work. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So now, um, of course, cycling—you know—being under the microscope, it's under in terms of uh, the dealings that we've had in the past and stuff like that. I don't like to dwell on this, but you know, it's something that obviously a lot of listeners want to kneel, want to understand, and want to get the concept of. Um, I feel it's it's kind of an, a pretty heavy bias that we're obviously going to talk about, but. Um, 
do, have you had any dealings with that? Not necessarily, obviously, personally, but um, experiences where where you're dealing with with cycling, trying to break free of this image that we've had to deal with for for years. Yeah, funny enough, actually, the other night I was on on Twitter, and there's some a few people on Twitter who are pretty uh, aggressive towards you know cycling and the kind of their stance on that we're all doping and cheating, and it's impossible what you know the performances that we're seeing this day and age and a few people that tend to pick on sky a lot for yeah. you know, our performances. And, you know, usually I just read it and kind of, you know, pass it by and just, I keep an eye on it, just seeing what they're saying, but not, you know, I never respond or write back to them anymore. But for some reason the other night I was, uh, I was provoked to, to write something back and I got into a pretty long discussion with a few of these people over Twitter. So it's a, a public forum, but, yeah. and it was, uh, yeah, it was really depressing that, you know, these people were, you know, they're so, dead set that that we're cheating that we're doping that we're you know you know we're, we're not you know we're not doing this the right way and it's and it, for me that was like the first time when i was extremely frustrated because you know i'm sitting here and it's you know i was over here for christmas you know in in france by myself um i didn't go home no there was no family here you know on christmas day i woke up or christmas eve woke up did four hours by myself came back home you know ate really healthy same thing on christmas same thing on new year's and it's like you know, when I'm just like, you know, kind of busting my butt to, you know, to get back in shape and to lose weight and to get fit. And, you know, these people just criticize what we're doing and don't think it's possible. And you know, I think it's easy to sit behind a pseudonym and kind of, you know, discredit us for what we're doing. But there's people who, you know, have never really gone through, you know, what we're doing, you know, going to bed hungry, going out training when you, you know, want to just have a, a big breakfast and, you know, the bakeries smell amazing, but you, you know, decide to have a banana instead and keep riding for a couple hours. And, you know, I think it was the first time that I've really just kind of been aggravated by, by the, you know, the, so the, the questions that come with, with being a pro cyclist. And I understand the, you know, the reason for it. And I understand that it has been a bad past and I'm sure people, you know, are still cheating and people continue to cheat. But, you know, I think that it's, it's something that's hard to kind of prove our, prove our innocence in this day and age, which is a bit frustrating. Well, there's something that's been driving me crazy, to be honest. On, on one of my last shows, I made a comment here. We're talking about a, a pro football player here in the States can go off at halftime and get a cortisone shot in his shoulder and come on and play the second half. You Obviously, you know, you might, you might not be able to comment on this because of your position in the sport, but I just find the bias absolutely insane that, that you're trying to compare these two. And, you know, if a pro cyclist gets a cortisone shot, that's it. You know, you're in, you're in deep yeah. trouble and, and I just don't understand why. And then we've got these trolls through Twitter who are trying to, you know, rile you up and get you, get you going and they don't see the differences. They don't understand that. Yeah. And I think, you know, it's, I think cycling has been kind of turned upside down as far as doping and, you know, how it's been exposed and kind of the, the depth and, you know, the tradition in which the, you know, doping had gone in the sport and, you know, which is, you know, unfortunate, but, you know, I'm, I'm fortunate in the sense that, you know, I came into the sport when you know it has changed and it is changing, you know, continually. And it is becoming a sport where, you know, you know, you look at our team with sky and, you know, the measures that we go through to make sure, you know, just simple things like supplements, protein powders, vitamins, you know, things are, are legal and, you know, just the extent of which we go through to be clean is, you know, immense that, yeah, it's, it's funny when you, you know, cause my brother's a big fan of, you know, American sports, football and baseball and, He's always telling me, oh, yeah, these right, you know, these baseball players, you know, go and get a cortisone shot in the middle of, uh, you know, yeah. in the, between innings and they come out and they can pitch a perfect game. And, 
you know, the, you know, I'm sitting here taking fish oils and, you know, yeah. juicy beets to try to try to get better. <laughs> and, and reading every freaking label. I'm sure you can't just go to the store and grab something and think you're going to be okay. You never know. All of a sudden the next day somebody shows up and, you know, you didn't realize that you're, I don't know, you bought a brand of honey that had something in it or something. Yeah, exactly. You know? Yeah, well, there's another American over here, Joe Dombrowski, who writes for, for Garmin Cannondale and, um, there's a, a lady here in Nice who's who's British and she likes to bake cookies and cakes and stuff. And she brought us some cakes the other day. And you know, you you assume that it's someone friendly and she's a fan of cycling. And you know, Joe's like, you know, should we should we really be eating these? You know, she could have contaminated them. And it's like there's just these little things that start to kind of dictate your life and things that you know the average person wouldn't even think of that you start to to question just because you know it is such a big, you know can be you know it, it is we are that tightly controlled in this day and age yeah oh, i just you know and and once again i kind of now to come back to that that romance of of what we as as spectators as followers of the sport what we see is completely than what opposite of what you're going through you said you mentioned on christmas eve you you were alone you had to go out you had to crank out four hours and, and get it done um what keeps you going man what what keeps it keeps it fresh what you know obviously there's that goal of attaining that team status that participation on one of the top teams in the world where you are how, how okay i've made it now how do i rejuvenate myself and reset those goals and go to something else yeah i think uh you know, this was something that i you know went through kind of the first two years on skies like you know for so long my my goal was to make it to the world tour you know i had goals along the way you know races here and there and you know, power numbers and whatnot. Um, but, you know, my big goal was to always make it to Team Sky or to make it to a World Tour team. And finally, I made it to this team and I kind of never stopped to reevaluate my goals and what I wanted to do. So the first two seasons on Sky, I was actually pretty, you know, I definitely underperformed compared to what I had expected. And, you know, going to the third year last season, I kind of sat down with the team and, you know, my old coaches and said, you know, well, what, what's the difference here? Why isn't why isn't this adding up? You know, my performances as a younger rider were better and, you know, I theoretically should be improving as I grow older. But, you know, and I realized that it wasn't that I, I hadn't set goals for myself. So this last off season, I, uh, you know, spent a long time sitting down with the coaches and setting all sorts of goals, you know, both on the bike, off the bike, you know, goals for, for training, for racing. And, you know, just, I think in, in all walks of life, I think goal setting is a huge, a huge aspect to, to being successful. And that's what I've done again this year is, you know, set some personal goals, just things to, you know, keep you on track and to, that things that motivate you, you know, might not all be, you know, related to the sport, you know, but maybe for myself, it's, you know, to buy a house in the next two years, you say, okay, well, in order to do something like that, I need to, you know, attain these results to get yeah. this salary to, to buy a house. So it all kind of, uh, you know, comes full circle in that regard now that I'm growing up and getting older. So it's, uh, and there's definitely days that I don't want to get out and ride, but you know, I think it's anyone at this level has a certain level of motivation and desire to, to be successful. What's life like off the bike? Is there life off the bike for you? Well, it's come to speak of it. My mom's actually over here visiting right now and, uh, <laughs> she's taking care of most of the things off the bike right now. <laughs> but, um, no, and I think, you know, even the last two years, you know, I was pretty f focused on this and I was almost making my, I mean, to, to be honest, making my life harder than it needed to be. You know, sometimes I think there's this, like I was kind of talking earlier about the old school tradition that, you know, yeah. cycling is a hard sport and you have to, you have to suffer to be good. And I found myself at times making myself suffer more than I needed to suffer 
because I thought that was, you know, what it took, you know, just simple things like, oh, you know, friends invite you out to dinner. Or, oh, I'm not going to go out to dinner because I should, it's better to stay at home. And, you know, one thing that I realized in my kind of evaluation of myself at the end of 2014 was, you know, in order for myself to be, you know, successful in cycling, I also need to be happy. And so in order to do that, you know, I need a, I'm a social person. I need to go out with friends and go out to dinners and go to the beach and, you know, go, you know, mess around, go paintballing, go go-karting, yeah. you know, whatever it is. And, you know, trying to incorporate, you know, being a human into this life of, of sport as well, I think was for myself really important to, to make sure that I continue to, you know, be a, be a young kid and, you know, really, like I said, embrace living in a foreign country as well. You know, there's not also, you know, feel that, you know, I'm not going to always be young and have the opportunity to live, live in France. So I might as well enjoy it while I can, but, you know, while at the same time trying to make sure that I'm staying professional and show up to races prepared and fit to race. There's life outside the other riders. You, you mentioned a couple other pros who were over there. Um, is there, a, you know, I know this might sound like an ignorant question, but social life outside, you mentioned your friends, are they outside of the cycling circle or are they kind of with, within that in some way? Well, a lot of my friends here in Nice are, are cyclists. You know, we have Joe yeah. Dombrowski, TJ Van Gardner's here, Larry Warbass. Yeah. There's quite a few Norwegian riders and, and French riders here as well. Um, you know, so we wind up spending a lot of time with, or I spend a lot of time with those guys just because, you know, we're usually here around the same times and we, you know, go out and ride during the day. So then we talk about what we're going to do later. So we meet up later and, you know, go do something. But you know, now that I've spent three years here, I have met quite a few friends outside the sport of cycling. And this last, uh, well, I guess just in October, got to have a girlfriend now who's who's from the U.S., so, you know, she's not associated with cycling at all, so it's actually really refreshing to sit down and go out to a meal with someone and not talk about bike racing all the time. <laughs> Amen to that. So you've been, um, I've been told, and through my some of my research before we, we came on the air today, I've, I found an article on you in the Tour de Chutes and stuff like that, and uh, and that's a big, big supporter for, for cancer research, if I'm, if I'm not mistaken. Um, are there are there any kind of things like that that you're involved with that uh, you you stay consistent with, or what kind of might motivate your support for events like that? Yeah, well, the Tour de Chutes is an event in Bend that's been going on for I think 12, 12 or thirteen years next year. Um, ran by Gary Boniker, one of my you know good friends and family friends who's been living with cancer for quite a long time now. So I've uh, kind of always been a supporter of that cause. Now that I'm you know, I guess have some sort of status and can, you know, sign a jersey that gets auctioned to help raise money for the, for the ride is, is fantastic. So yeah, I do, uh, always try to donate to, to Gary's, you know, foundation and also the hot tube cycling team, which was a junior team I was a part of in 2009, you know, as a, a young team out of East coast that, you know, kind of picks up juniors from across the country to, you know, help them achieve their goals. And so I'm always donating to those guys as well. And actually with my mom here, I'm going through all my old kit from the last couple of years and all the stuff that, you know, I don't use anymore, but a lot of it's still in really good condition or brand new. Um, I'm packed that up and getting ready to send that off to, to Africa to a couple of cycling clubs down there. So yeah, it's just nice to, to help people out. You know, I always have an open house here in Nice, you know, when I was young and growing up and didn't have much money, there's always someone who would offer me a place to stay. So I like to, to open that welcome to, to the next generation of cyclists and be able to you know, share my home and my, my thoughts with training and racing with, with the young kids. That's awesome, man. Especially, I, I'm sure you having come through the junior ranks and stuff like that. And, um, me personally having come through junior ranks, well, a lot longer ago than you did, but, um, 
seeing the importance of that and and being able to help kids out. Um, cycling is not a sport that people just accidentally fall into. It's not something that can just oh great I'll get a bike and go race you know and a lot of people have to help along the way and so that's that's cool to see that support there. Yeah, exactly. And I think that's one of the cool things about cycling is, you know, like I said, I wouldn't be here with, if it wasn't for you know, the support of my family, but you know, so many countless people along the way, you know, whether it was you know, someone giving you something simple like a Jersey or some, you know, a box of power bars or something, yeah. and, you know, just to really appreciate that, you know, gesture and to be able to say that, okay, now I'm in a position where I can, can give back to, you know, back to the community that gave to me and the next you know crop of kids who are cycling whether they become professional great but if if not and they you know take some valuable life lessons out of it then that's just as good right on so before i let you go you mentioned goals you mentioned uh sitting down and and set, figuring out where 2016 is going to take you um you, you want to throw any spoilers our directions on where you'd like to well what i'd like to do yeah um, yeah well i think you know the the giro is you know a big goal to make that team and we have you know two pretty uh clear leaders with Mikel Nieve or uh, Mikel Landa and and Leopard Koning, who were well, I think third and sixth last year in the yeah. in the Giro. So to make that team and help those guys achieve, you know, hopefully win the win the race would be fantastic. But I think uh, you know for next year, there's a few races that that I want to try to try to win. You know, I think uh, you know starting off in Australia here in a couple of weeks with the racing, and you know I think I'm at a pretty decent level of fitness, and you know I don't really have specific races that you know I don't know the full calendar for the season yet, but I guess this year I'd just like to I'd like to win a win a race in a Team Sky jersey this year. Well, I'd love to see that, man. That'd be pretty cool. Well, I told you I wouldn't take too much of your time, and I don't want to do that. You've got training. You've got your freaking your mom's there. You know, you should go spend time <laughs> with your mother. You know, yeah. sign a jersey or two. Um, <laughs> Ian, thanks for coming on, man, and and kick some ass next year. Yeah, no problem. Thanks for having me. Thanks. All right, so there you go. Would it be condescending if I said that's a a pretty well-spoken kid. I am way older than him, so I could call him a kid. He's in his 20s, so in my book, he's a kid. But um, well-seasoned, head on his shoulders. And uh, I'm, I'm anxious to see where this next season and the next two seasons with Sky take him. So um, tune into him, you guys. Pay attention to what he's what he's doing out there. Sounds like a great guy, and um, hopefully we'll, we'll hear more from him and from Team Sky. If you were curious about that event, he was talking about Tour de Chutes, T-O-U-R-D-E-S-C-H-U-T-E-S. Look it up online. Pretty cool event. The, uh, the terrain around Bend, Oregon is absolutely gorgeous. Um, incredibly active city. And a lot of cool people living over there. So if you have some events you'd like to travel out and get to, I don't know about you, I don't really sign up for many of the major tours around my local area because I ride those roads all the time. Why am I going to pay money to ride roads I've already ridden? So uh, those types of events are cool. So um, look them up and see what you think. It's obviously for a good cause, and maybe you'll be able to... Uh, See if you can grab some of Ian's in swag. So, um, folks, get on iTunes. Rank us on iTunes. Tell us what you think of the Pack Filler Podcast. Drop me a note through Twitter, through email. Um, you can do it, Patrick, at packfiller.com. Or um, we are also obviously on Facebook. Well, I am obviously also on Facebook. Um, you heard at the top of the show, more shows is the goal for this year, so we'll see what we can do. We're off to a good start, right? Yeah. Yeah. We'll be okay. It's going to be fine. Now I got to go train. Fucking tour of Sufferlandria. 
We'll catch you next week, guys. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.